My name is Amanda Van Allen. Welcome to Beauty and the Beat. Join me and my co-hosts, Betsy Zane and Sophia Brad, as we pass beyond the beauty myth and get face-to-face with reality. Highs and lows of fashion to the challenges of motherhood, the traumas of life, heartbreak of relationships gone wrong, and how to find purpose and discover your true, authentic self. Hi guys, welcome to Beauty and Feed. It's Amanda again. And today on the show, I've got a wonderful guest, Dr. Margaret Alabi. Dr. Margaret Alabi is a busy pharmacist by day, but spends her free time coaching others to reach their full potential as leaders through her agency, the Pivot Consulting Group. Margaret is a natural people's person and loves communicating and listening. She believes in always putting people first. Margaret has used these skills to found the Pivot Consulting Group. Pivot coaches clients in their personal and professional lives to take their potential to purpose. Clients learn techniques like how to become the most authentic self, how to best tell their story, and identifying what's holding them back. Margaret, welcome to Beauty and the Beat. Thank you so much for having me, Amanda. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) So we've got a lot to cover. And one thing I do at the beginning of the show is I always want to know a bit about my guests and how they got on the journey of personal development and how they got from where they were then to where they are now. Absolutely. So that is always a fun story for me to share. As you mentioned, I am a pharmacist by training, but let me share this one tidbit. I've never dispensed a pill a day in my life. So that is like the most hilarious part of my journey. I Mm -hmm. started pharmacy school because like any good African firstborn, you do everything that your parents tell you because you're supposed to be the example. (laughs) And so, you know, you've got, you've got to do everything right. So that was my little way of rebelling. It's like, okay, great. I'll go to pharmacy school, but I'm never going to work in a pharmacy. I decided to instead work in the pharmaceutical industry. And that is where my personal development journey truly began. I was lucky enough to receive one of the most competitive postdoctoral fellowships with Rutgers and Sanofi. And it was at Sanofi that I learned what it really meant to find authenticity. And I showed up first day, bright eyed, bushy tailed. I had accomplished so much up to that point and getting this fellowship was like the crowning jewel of all of my accomplishments. And everyone else that I was working with was not as excited to see me (laughs) as I was to be there. They were just like, it's a regular day here, sister, like whatever. And seven months into that postdoctoral fellowship, I found myself in a place that I'd never been in my entire life. I am quick to pivot. If something's not working, I am the chick that's going to find the nearest and quickest solution and start working that way. It was not that easy in this fellowship program. I was far away from family. I was the only one, not even a cousin or an aunt (laughs) that was nearby. So two and a half hour plane ride away from my family. I was the only person of color in my department with a advanced degree. So there were just a lot of things that made me stand out like a sore thumb. And with that being said, there weren't a lot of people that were willing to or even inclined to help me succeed in that role. Again, just given my cultural upbringing, firstborn, trying to be the best, I was a pleaser, right? So it was my aim to make the biggest impression on the leader of the department and their leader. And it wasn't working. I was trying everything in the kitchen sink and it seemed like I failed every single time. Until one day, like I said, seven months in, it just dawned on me. I was sitting at my desk and I heard a voice loud and clear ask me, who are you trying to impress? It's just like, whoa, okay, this definitely has to be God or some spiritual being talking to me and asking me this question. Before I could even muster up a response, 
the voice literally said, you have no one to impress but me. And I want you to now start focusing on me. Nobody else matters. Nobody else exists. And it was in that moment, that mental pivot of where my attention was focused to where it should be focused, just literally accelerated my path to transformation. I found a woman in the organization who I thought was like amazing. And I said, how do you show up to work like this every day? And you're able to articulate yourself and your ideas and they always land well. And she said, Margaret, I have a coach. And I was like, what? You have a coach? Like somebody's helping you do this? And so she introduced me to her coach. And again, I was a postdoctoral fellow. So I wasn't getting paid nearly as well as a lot of my colleagues that went straight into the pharmacy. So there were just some things that when I met this lady, I was like, wow, this is a great service, but it's not something I can afford right now. So then I started to identify some different things in the company that I could leverage, right, to get myself the help and the skills that I needed. And as I really began to focus inward, and that was really what that voice was telling me to do is have an inward focus. I got recognized by the North American president of our organization, and she gave me my first job in the company. And when the North American president of your business gives you a job, nobody wants to mess with you. They're all bowing at your feet. So that was where I realized the power of transformation. And I wouldn't say that authenticity truly showed up then. It took a couple more years for me to get comfortable with being myself again, because it was rejected so harshly when I first showed up into the industry. And now today, every role that I have, anybody that I meet, I lead with authenticity because that's what really develops and builds trust in any relationship. And it allows that person to know that, okay, this person sitting across from me is not going to judge me for showing up as me. They're going to give me the grace in this moment. And we can do so much. We can accomplish so much because I'm seeing all of this person. And that's how I got to where I'm at. Yes. It's, it's, it's like really, really interesting. And it's really, you went through a lot of challenges to get to where you were and where you are now. And as you were talking about that, one of the things I was thinking about is, especially when it comes to work relationships and people have bad work relationships or they just hate their job, it can be a very challenging situation. I'm going to go through a few things. One of the things which I think you identified there was, you know, when you talk about transforming your worst critic into your best advocate. Yes. This is one of the things you coach people how yes. to do what are the steps you would say people should when they're, you know, self-critical or they feel like it's a two-pronged question? Because I noticed a lot of times when we feel that people are criticizing us, it's usually because we're self-critical of ourselves. Because if we applied what you said of not caring about what they think, but showing up and doing our best, we wouldn't really be doing that. So where do you think these patterns come from and how do they develop? Absolutely. So you're hitting on one of my first ever coaching certifications, and that's with the Clifton Strengths Assessment with Gallup. And I would say the first thing to transforming your worst critic into your best cheerleader is to know and understand what your strengths are and be able to articulate that. And there's something funny about strengths, Amanda, because a lot of people, they want your strengths or they want someone else's strengths. You know, like since we're here doing a bit of a talk show, they want Oprah's strengths. No, figure out what your strengths are, accept that these are your strengths and really begin to lean into your strengths. And it is in that process of figuring out what they are, accepting them and then leaning into them that you're able to quiet the noise around you. When you get hired for a role, you're hired because you're bringing something to the table and or to the team that doesn't exist. But then you get there and you're looking around and you're feeling less than. And it's like, wait, you're here for a reason. Owning that reason is where that critic starts to quiet itself. The other reason why a critic may show up, and 
my self-critic's name is, I call her Eartha Kitt. Okay. <laughs> Eartha tells me that everything I do has to be perfect. That's my inner critic, right? Because that's how I was raised. Again, I go back to the cultural firstborn, do things right. You're setting an example. So for me, that translated through my own worldview and perspective into perfection, right? And so whenever Eartha raises her voice with that cat, or, you know, uh, <laughs> she curls that R and says this has to be perfect, right? Whenever I hear her, you know, that statement in my head, I have to take a moment to pause and say, and why, right? I highly encourage this because we don't actually take the pause to say, why is this necessary now? It's important for us to remember that the critic is there to protect us. The critic has been there this whole time. It's been watching your life. And so it's constantly, oh, when you did that last time, you remember how that went. You don't want to do that again, honey. Don't do that, right? And so it's about letting the critic know that, yeah, I know what happened last time, but I don't have any evidence that that outcome is going to be the same today. And that is how you begin to quiet that critic. And my favorite technique that I use with a lot of my clients is giving that critic a new job, a new message. So for me, when Eartha is saying it's got to be perfect, I'm saying, Eartha, what about this has to be perfect? Like, there's a better message that you can give me in this moment that can really, like, I really need you to cheer me along here. I don't need you to be telling me that it's perfect. Right. So I have different little messages for even for my own personal critic that I give that make me feel empowered and able to face the task at hand. Yeah. But with all this and with all this comes the cycle of change. Absolutely. A lot of people are so afraid of change. I mean, with me included, I think we all are afraid of change. Like I'm one of those people, I'll make a plan. And then all of a sudden I'm like, yeah, we're going to do this. And I feel like sometimes when we get afraid of the change cycle, we use excuses, laziness, or just procrastination. Mm -hmm. And deep inside is actually fear. Yes. We're afraid that we don't yes. really know what we're delving into. Absolutely. What are practical ways that people can use to avoid this? Or I wouldn't say avoid, or just like quell that emotion down. Yeah. Yeah. So I think a lot of the time when fear arises, there's perhaps a level of judgment that is there, right? And that fear could be associated with the fear of failing or what other people may think of you. And that is judgment. So, you know, a lot of the times I ask my clients, if your worst fear happened, what would be the end result, really? And nine times out of 10, when we talk through these things, you find out that it's not that big of a deal. Or you have perhaps given it more energy than not. So for me, my goal with clients is really to help redirect the energy because wherever your focus is, the energy will flow there. There's a biblical reference. And then of course, there's a new age reference and they're all references. I think they all say the same thing, right? And it is, as you think, therefore you are. So whatever you're constantly thinking about, is what is going to turn into your reality. So the goal here is to think about what you want as opposed to things that you don't have evidence are actually going to happen. And I would say that's perhaps the most practical way is every time you have a thought about what you don't want, that's great. Don't judge that. Don't be upset with yourself about thinking about what you don't want. Now for every don't, think about a want. So I don't want this, but I do want that. And at the end of the day, perhaps let's say you're keeping tally, make sure that your want column has way more in it than your don't want. Mm -hmm. And then you begin to naturally train yourself into thinking about the want at all times. And you'll find that everything that you want, you've gotten. I agree with that because I mean, that's the story of my life. I always, because <laughs> I always had visions. I always had mm -hmm. these visions. This is where I want to be. Yeah. And so my friends would be like, oh, you can't do that. I'll be like, okay, whatever. And I'd write it all in a book. Yeah. And I'd write them all on little postcards. Okay. And when I say my prayers or anything, they'll be there. And I have these little postcards and I still have them till today. Nice. And sometimes when I look back, 
I achieved all those things. Amen. But I think part of it also is not putting ourselves in a box because we also sometimes think it's going to come like this. Yes. Yes. And this hasn't happened yet. So that's not going to happen. So I'm not going to push that. I feel like part of it is you have to be open. Absolutely. So I love that you're saying that because that is <laughs> that is a major key to manifestation, right? So now we've entered into the realm of manifestation. And manifestation, I think, is a daily practice. A lot of us are not aware that we're actively practicing it all the time, but we get everything that we want. And some may say, well, no, I don't, Margaret or you know, Amanda. No, I don't. I don't get what I want. But you do. And here's why. The universe and the spiritual forces that exist whether you call it God, universe, spirit, doesn't hear the don't. We made that contraction up, like do not, I do not want. All it hears is want. So if you're constantly talking about the things that you don't want, you're going to constantly see those things. But if you're maintaining a focus on the things that you want, you will find that those things come into being and they can come into being as quickly as you allow yourself to be open to the many ways that it can manifest or as slowly as you hold on to one specific way that you want to see it happen. And that is the part where I think a lot of my clients have the most fun because we have those conversations that allow you to expand your thoughts beyond this one way. We got choices. You know, I love music and I love listening to rappers because I think they're like the modern day preachers. And so one of my favorite lyrics comes from Jay-Z and he says, there's a million ways to get it. Choose one. I think people take that lyric too lightly. There's also a biblical reference to that as well. I can't think of it right now, but there are so many ways to get this thing that you want. And that is what makes being human so fun is that We're all on a path trying to get something and we may even be going for the same thing, but how it manifests for you is going to be totally different from how it manifests for me. And being open to that as opposed to being bogged down and perhaps what's feeding our fears is looking at how it's happening for everyone around us and wanting Mm. it that exact way. That's where we get ourselves into trouble. I wanted to talk about that because you know the social media thing. It's a good thing, but it's not helping people. I do not believe it's helping people psychologically. Yeah. So, you know, Amanda, I've had to work with my own self on that. I have started and stopped social media multiple times. I am the person, and this is, and it's trained. So I'm a Peloton enthusiast. I get on my bike every morning. Okay. There's something to be said about consistency in training, right? So the same way that we train our physical bodies is the same way that we must train our minds. Sorry, audience. I love the Bible. So you're going to hear me reference the Bible a lot because I think it's like the biggest book of everything, right? Anything and everything that you're looking for. So there's a scripture in the New Testament that talks about renewing your mind daily. And today I believe that is associated with meditating. Meditation is an opportunity for you to stop the momentum of whatever thoughts are not serving you. That's a great way to hit the reset button so that you can start a new momentum of thoughts that are serving you and are in line with what you want. And that's a daily and should be a daily process. The other thing that I think is important for us to remember as we're thinking through this is the asking and the power of asking. So when you're looking at social media, why are you looking at it? (laughs) What feelings are overwhelming you as you are perusing other people's sites? Is it a feeling of anxiety? Is it a feeling of jealousy? And let me be clear, being able to identify the feeling you are experiencing is a very powerful thing because feeling is what brings things about in your life. So yeah, we can think good thoughts all the time, but if you don't feel good about what you're thinking about, that's also going to limit or slow the manifestation of that thing in your life. But if you're thinking something and your feelings are in line with what you're thinking, it will accelerate the manifestation of that thing in your life. So if you're looking at someone's page and they make you sick, 
and you feel sick every single time you're looking at their page. Well, guess what? You're going to be sick. But if you're looking at someone's page and you are seeing, so here's the other cool thing about being human, right? Mm-hmm. I truly believe that we are all reflections of each other. So like when I see it, I'm going to quote Jay-Z again. There's a, a Jay-Z lyric where he says, when you look at me, see yourself in me. Meaning that the only thing that separates any one of us is a thought process, how we choose to think and the feelings associated with the thoughts that we're thinking every day, right? And so the biggest thing for ladies right now is getting married. If you're single, wanting to get married or if you want a new bag or some red bottoms, right? So you see your girl just got some new red bottoms. You're looking on her page. Instead of being upset with the fact that perhaps you have yet to achieve or attain that thing, there is an opportunity. And if you just follow me here to look at that and send the thought of, wow, isn't that nice? And don't label it from there because this is where we get into trouble. We start to throw labels on, well, that's horrible or that's bad or that's whatever the case may be. And then we find ourselves spiraling down, right? So keeping it very light and then actually seeing yourself in that opportunity. Like I could have that if I wanted that. And I think we don't do that enough. We don't do a little bit of that vision casting or allowing ourselves to imagine. We just think that our reality is what it is and we just got to accept everything that's here. But we know better because we pray and we ask for things and we expect that those things are going to happen. So why is it any different when you're looking at things to see yourself in the position of that place where you want to be? I'm oversimplifying this because we're talking about it, but there are definitely very specific mechanisms that help you do this and do this seamlessly and integrate this into your life. I am definitely over oversimplifying it for this conversation. There's the other side to the social media thing uh-huh. of people that are also posting and they're posting a very disingenuous life that is not even their real life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And why do you think they do that? And I find that that, that is happening more and more and more. I like social media because, mm-hmm. you know, you can friends you can see how other people live you can get yeah. inspired yeah i basically use it for a lot of inspiration i use yeah. it for work you know you can use it for work absolutely but then you find people that are just posting and trying to create a life they don't even have oh i'm so happy that you bring this up because that was why i started and stopped social media so many times because i knew a lot of those people and i was just like this is not real but then i realized that i was actually committing spiritual violence. And what do I mean by that? I was judging, right? So I consider spiritual violence to be judging others. People are going to do what they believe in their best mind for this time and space is meant for them to do. It's not my job to concern myself with how they choose to show up. And that's the part that we have to train within ourselves. Because we get upset when we see things that are false. However, we fail to realize that in that person's mind, it isn't false. It isn't disingenuous. We all have reasons for doing what we're doing. And to be quite frank, we owe no one explanations for why we're doing it that way. It is to that person. And that is one of the things that for me perhaps has been the most freeing part of becoming a coach and transforming is to quit taking it personal. So every time you see somebody that's doing something, you've made it yours. It's not your burden to bear. It's not your cross to bear. Q-tip is something that I repeat to myself all the time. It's like when I see something, oh, wow, I've made this my issue. This isn't my issue. Q-tip, quit taking it personal. Mm. And that is a quick and easy way to relieve yourself of unnecessary burdens. We can't help what we see. We can help what we think. We can, to some extent, influence how we feel. Mm -hmm. And the best and quickest way to do that is to disengage and bring the focus back to us. And how is this impacting you? Why is that what I do? Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, I even find that that also works with friends. 
Absolutely. There's some people you just know that, you know, they can't be in your life because mm -hmm. when you're around them, they don't make you feel good. Yeah. Because <laughs> they don't feel good about themselves. Yes. Very true. Because I used to be this person that always trying to get on with everybody. Even if I knew this person was a bit crazy, I'm still like, if I show them how nice I am and how genuine I am, they're going to be, but they still behave in a screwed up manner. And then I started to realize like exactly what you said, I'm not responsible for their behavior. Right. The only person I am responsible for is myself. That is it. And I can choose mm -hmm. not to interact with that person. We don't have Absolutely. to fight. We don't have Absolutely. to have an argument. It's just that you call me today. Oh, can we do lunch? I'm like, guess what? I have a lot of work to do. Exactly. I'm busy. Yep. Yep. And you know, that is key. So I, you know, there are so many things that we take for granted and we, again, just perhaps based on how we were raised, what our life, what our perspectives are and the people that we've met, our various life experiences really all dictate to us how we choose to perceive what's happening. That leads me to another one of the things that I use with my coaching clients, which is just understanding energetic self-perception. And that's really, really important. So I love how you described about friends, right? And understanding, well, there are certain energies that there's nothing that you can do because they don't have the awareness that perhaps they are responding in a way that is coming off as a victim level of energy where they feel like somebody is doing something to them and or perhaps they're exhibiting energy associated with anger where they feel like in order for them to succeed, it's got to be a fight, right? They're not aware that that's how they're coming off. And nine times out of 10, the majority of the people that we interact and engage with are resonating and vacillating in a victim mode or anger. And those two modes of energy are catabolic. They eat away at you. Yeah, you can get some things done. And it's not to say it's good or bad, because guess what? Catabolic energy is good for certain things. Anabolic energy is good for other things. However, mm -hmm. the challenge that you find or that we're running into today in today's society is that catabolic energy is not sustainable. It's only supposed to be used for short bursts of energy. Like if a dog is chasing you and your life is in danger, you need to, you know, have some catabolic energy to get you out of there. But you're not supposed to live there. And that's why we hear the phrase so much, oh my God, I feel burned out. Or this person is just so toxic. Like that's why we hear those things. And it's because we're not aware of how we're showing up and or how we are reacting. Mm. And so I love what you said because you've clearly identified a way to respond as opposed to react. Reacting takes a lot of energy out of you. And so it's no wonder that you feel drained or burned out or overwhelmed because it's just like, Jesus, Christ, it takes so much to get through this. I'm here to say that it doesn't have to be like that. It exactly, does exactly. not have to be like that. As you're talking, what was coming to my mind was the fact that you also have to be conscious. A lot of us lose consciousness because we're mm -hmm. so, everything's about work, about this, the kids, and we're not, it's not only being self-conscious, but conscious of our environment and how we feel moment to moment. Yes, like yes. Checking in with ourselves. Yes, absolutely. And so when you understand what your self, your energetic self-perception is, you find a way to move from being super self and egocentric to a place of self-mastery. And then as you increase your awareness, you get into this place of self-transcendence. And that's really, really important. And again, we've been talking about it this whole conversation. It starts with what you're thinking. What you're thinking dictates how you feel. How you feel dictates how you will move i.e. what action you're going to take. Is it going to be a reaction or is it going to be a response? And the more that you're able to understand what you're thinking, how you're feeling, the better you're able to predict and even show up and act in a way that's consistent with who you really are. Mm -hmm. And that's really important. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Because 
if you don't know what you want or how you feel, how can you achieve it? And, you know, I started realizing that in my life, you know, certain people just did not make me feel good. Yeah. I thought they were friends, but I would notice they'd do certain things that were just kind of screwed up. Yeah. And I'd let it slide and slide. And then after a while, I just realized that this person, you can't be around because so when that- you're around them, you yeah. don't feel good. Exactly. Exactly. So it sounds like when you were operating at that level, in my coach speak, I would say that you were operating at a level three energy, which is a level of forgiveness where you're like, okay, I can see how this person could feel like that, right? Because you have a certain level of awareness that allows you to have that compassion, right? And when you're operating in that space of forgiveness, you're also assuming a little bit of responsibility for how the person is behaving too. But it sounds like you have totally moved out of that. (laughs) (laughs) I've moved up and out of that. And, you know, even friends, even today, you know, um, I have friends that one particular person that every time we had a conversation, all she had to say on the conversation was negative things, you know, like, and not about me. It was always about moaning, about this. And in the end, I just realized that I had to cut conversations with her. I just stopped being in touch because every time after I came off the phone, I just felt like all of a sudden life just got worse because all she had was, everything was doom and gloom. And that's how her life showed up as well. Yeah. So there is an interesting phrase that I learned years ago. And it was like, if you complain, you will remain. So again, here comes my biblical reference, right? There's a scripture that says, and everything give thanks. That is such a powerful concept. And it's being used by everyone, people who believe in a God, people who don't believe in a God. They call it the gratitude journey, right? Or journals, like making sure that you write down a gratitude list. That is so important because the energy and the vibration associated with being thankful immediately shifts how you're feeling. So here we go again. Thought influences feeling, influences action. So when you are now feeling great, there's no way that great things can miss you because it's like, oh, okay, that's our people over there. I see all those great vibes flying off of you. I'm going to give you things that are aligned with and connected to this emotion that you're exhibiting. That's not something that we're taught. We're not taught that in school. We're definitely not encouraged to feel that way on the job, depending on what kind of industry you work Mm -hmm. in. So it's important that we kind of take a step back and say, okay, yeah, this could be worse. If I complain about this thing, this situation is going to stay looking like this. So think about what you want. I want this thing to change. So in order for it to change, what can I not even need? Because that's a trigger word for me. You know, I believe that we have everything we need. I believe even the people that I work with as clients have all their answers. My job is just to ask thought-provoking questions that help them to identify the multiple ways, as Uncle Jay-Z said, to get it, right? So what can I do right now in this moment to change my own thoughts and feelings about this situation? And mm-hmm. what you will find is that things will change for you. Similarly to what you said, I remember I was working in a role that I was not thrilled about. I was just like, this sucks, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, it is the worst. How did I get here? Like, who signed me up for this? I cannot believe I signed up for this job. And then I remembered, oh my gosh, Margaret, if you keep complaining, you are going to be stuck here. So I had a couple of coworkers and it was our routine. Get on the phone, moan, groan, and complain about everything we hated about this job. Girl, did you hear that today? Did you see? Mm-mm. So when I realized that I was the one keeping me here, they would call me and they would want to get into our typical routine. And I say, you know what, but this job pays for a car. I have no car note. I don't have any car insurance. They fill my tank. I get to do this. I get to do that. I am so grateful to have this job. I am so thankful because I look around. I've got friends that are in my age range that are dying to have something like this. And I have to, for myself, just give up praise and give thanks. 
needless to say, those girlfriends stopped calling me at work because (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't there to keep up the pity party. And three months later, I got a promotion. I got out of there. And I was like, whoa, this thing works. It works. (laughs) It works. Okay. So then I started to apply it more consistently in everything that I do. And I kid you not, like that's been the transformation of my life. And even as I'm sitting here talking to you today, I'm just so thankful and grateful because I know what it used to be for me. And honey, never could have imagined this. So I am just overjoyed with just sheer gratitude and appreciation for everything that I've experienced because with every experience I've had, I've up-leveled. Like I literally get to turn my tassel every single time because I'm graduating and I'm hitting new levels. And it's like, okay, great. We mastered this. So now what's the next thing? And I actually look forward to the challenges because I know if I can get through this challenge, there's so much more beautiful stuff on the other side. So when people are like, oh yeah, my life is easy. I'm like, you ain't doing it right, boo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because in order to grow, there's challenges and you've got to push through. Exactly. I want to also make it clear that challenges don't have to be struggles. And actually using the word challenge on my daytime job, I call them opportunities. I actually don't mm-hmm. call them challenges because they're opportunities for growth. And it may seem challenging because there's a little bit of pain there. And so something that became very clear to me in 2020 was the realization that my personal fear came from not wanting to feel pain. So to bring our conversation back full circle, you asked about, well, you know, a lot of times you don't want to do things because of the fear. It is because of the projected thought of pain. But here's something that's really interesting. And you may appreciate this. One of my Ghanaian friends actually told me this. He said, Margaret, you cannot pray for rain and not expect mud. True. When he shared that proverb with me, I now translated it to growth and growing pains. When Mm -hmm. you grow, the pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. The fear is associated with suffering, but you don't have to suffer. You don't. You get to choose suffering or you can choose to get through the pain. And here comes my Bible reference again, you know, suffering only, or it says suffering in the Bible, but I would translate it to pain only lasts, but for a night, meaning that the pain associated with your growth, your growth is short lived. We're the ones that stretch the pain out because it's like, oh my God, we get into the complaining. Oh my God, I can't believe it. And it's like, yeah, I hear you. And it's okay. It's expected. It's totally understandable that you're feeling this pain. But in the grand scheme of things, how much of an impact is it really having on you? Or are you giving it your energy and expanding the impact of this short-lived pain? When I personally was able to grasp that message, girl, my life took off. It's just like, okay, great. Let's eat it up. I eat pain for breakfast. Let's go. I I can laugh in this fight. Let's go. So that said, let's talk about authenticity because I feel like all this is building up to the question of authenticity and people finding out their true identity or, you know, exploring that. Absolutely. So authenticity is, wow, it is such a beautiful thing. And we start off authentic And then we begin to pick up all of these labels and garbs. It's like trying on other people's clothes, right? You're like, oh, let me try on that shirt and I'll take those shoes and all of these other things. When you came into the world with the best outfit on for you and authenticity requires you to get comfortable with and explore every article of fabric that you were created with. And again, fear keeps us from doing that because we want to be homogenous. We don't want to stick out. We don't want to appreciate our intricacies and our idiosyncrasies and different things that really are 
what the rest of the world needs. Like mm-hmm. we need you to be your <laughs> all of you and whatever it is that you are. Okay. Because that's your gift. Like that is the quality that makes this whole world go round. I wanted to mention something on authenticity because it's one thing that's really funny mm-hmm. is, you know, in today's world, it's almost like it's come full circle because all of a sudden everyone's celebrating authenticity. Everyone's yeah. celebrating people that are different. Yeah. And once upon a time, that was not the case. Yeah, yeah. And, and I feel like it's because when we see people that are different or people that are really authentic, there's a fire it inside us. Yeah, it makes you uncomfortable because you're like, how in the hell are they so comfortable uh-huh. being different? Right. And it, and again, like I said earlier, we are all reflections of one another. So what I had to learn for myself on this journey of authenticity is that every time I saw somebody that made me go like, Ooh, you know, or where I felt like was too much, I had to now go look at myself. I'm like, okay, Margaret, what was it in you that made you do that? Because that's perhaps a place or a thing in yourself that you are repressing, that you are not allowing to shine forth. And it offended you and your sensibilities that this person so freely flaunts their differences. It's one of those things where you literally just got to try it. (laughs) You literally just have to give yourself permission to be. And that is one of the messages that I give to my critic. Instead of her telling me to be perfect, I say, look, sis, tell me to just be. And it is in those moments when you just show up with no preconceived notions, no prejudgments about who you're meeting and how they're going to perceive you, that's when you're having the most fun because Mm -hmm. you're getting that opportunity to be pure, untainted, unadulterated you. So the work you do with personal development and authenticity and all this, one thing I wanted to touch upon is with both of us having African roots I feel like in Africa, there's a lot of pride, especially with women. Yes. Women are very proud, very, mm-hmm. you know, very, very capable women. We build very capable women. Yeah. And finding a voice mm. is an issue because mm. it's a very patriarchal society. Even though really women do have a voice, it's yeah. being constantly squashed. When we're looking at Africa and we're looking at the future of the continent, what do you think? the steps as relates to authenticity or personal development? What do you think they need as a continent or as a country? Oh my gosh. So you know what the beauty is, a lot of what they quote unquote need, they already have, right? Mm -hmm. So we're at a tipping point on the continent. And if you've read Malcolm Gladwell's book, you'll appreciate this. We are definitely hitting a tipping point. So it's not about the capability, because like you said, it's already there. It's more so about following the gut and not questioning what you're feeling. And on the continent, I think we are the people that that feel. We move with feeling, right? We do not allow a lot of the thought process to muddle the action that we take. We sense things in our guts and we move with that. It's a spiritual thing, as WizKid would say, spiritual things. He always uses that as an ad lib on his songs. I love music. It's all interconnected, right? So I would encourage the women on the continent to move with the gut feeling. Stop thinking so much. Mm, mm. It is the overthinking that inhibits the action. So you think, you feel, you take an action. But remember that feeling comes before the action. A lot of times we block that feeling. We're like, oh my God, I'm not supposed to feel like this. And as African women, I do believe that is something that we do not give credence to. We we suppress our feelings. I and think so- in Africa in general, people yeah. suppress their feelings because it's yeah. a way where probably in the past there was mm-hmm. more feelings, like maybe... Yeah. In the olden days, maybe three, four hundred years ago, when people yes. were with elders and I think and the grandparents and stuff, I think that was one of the duties of the grandparents because you know you grew up with all this emotional yes. world because you know we yes. had 
mixed families where people grew up with their grandparents and everything. I feel like as Africa grabs onto Western civilization more and more and tries to achieve things that they're not, you know, like ideals that, you know, I feel like somewhere along the line, we lose that because we try Absolutely. to force ourselves into, it's like a square peg trying to yep. fit, fit into a round hole. Yep. And we then realize that we have it all there already. Exactly. And I think that's what makes us a force of nature. I also think that's what creeps a lot of other people out about us is that we easily can get into a feeling place. Like supernatural things are not difficult for us to attain. We don't have to kill ourselves with meditation. I kid you not, in two minutes, you can be in a spiritual realm with that heritage, okay? Mm -hmm. So I would highly encourage us to get back into a place of feeling and realizing that the ultimate wisdom is not in books. Mm -hmm. It's built right into our DNA. Yeah. That's yeah. what I would say. That's really, really interesting. So that said, we've been talking a lot about all these different things, techniques, tools, authenticity. If someone was listening right now and they're in a place, especially with what's going on with COVID and everything, mm -hmm. a place of fear, a place of indecision, mm -hmm. a place of just not knowing what's going to happen. Could you give me a few simple steps they could take? Yes, absolutely. So I would encourage anyone that's feeling like that, first and foremost, to have a clear understanding of why they're feeling that way. And it's okay to question yourself. Well, what about this situation is making me feel this way and why? And once you've identified the what and the why, I would now guide you to think about, well, what do you want to see as opposed to what you're seeing now? And how would things be different if what you wanted were in place? This is what I call a self-soothing mechanism. There's no evidence to prove that what you want will come to pass per se. However, giving your mind the opportunity to imagine something better actually relieves and decreases those feelings of anxiety, those feelings of terror that are perhaps gripping and keeping you playing in a very small space from fear. Once you're able to shift that mind, it'll allow you to move into a place of choice as opposed to little to no choice. And also, I think part of it is once you decide to make that choice and to make those changes, you have to trust and yes. just do it. Absolutely. In addition to what you said about trusting, because I know that's not something that we're taught either. Like it's a trial and error. You just either you try it or you don't try it. So make it a game, right? Life is meant mm -hmm. to be fun. Life is meant to be lovely. Life is meant to be full of joy. So find ways to make this idea of, well, what if? You know, perhaps putting the what if on it turns it into a game for you and makes it more believable for you. It makes it easier for you to get into that place of trust. Yeah, it's so, so, so important because a lot of us just lose ourselves in all this indecision and stuff. And then we get afraid and then we don't change. Mm -hmm. And then it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. And it just goes over and over and okay. over again. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we don't even see how we are the cause for our own place <laughs> in life, so to speak. Do you think part of the reason sometimes we feel we're the cause, because I feel like sometimes in life, everybody's fighting for their cause and someone else's cause could conflict with yours. So you might have a friend that, you know, whilst you're trying to get out of where you are and be a better person, their cause is to make you feel bad to make them feel better. So <laughs> to that end, Amanda, I would say, well, that person, if they feel like their cause is to make you feel bad, they're doing themselves a disservice because again, we are a reflection of one another. So if I'm doing anything to hamper or hinder your progress, I'm hindering myself. It's not hurting you. So the analogy that came to mind or the picture that came to mind as you were talking is imagine yourself in a vehicle and you're driving. If you are looking in the car or into the vehicle of the person on your left or your right, where is your car going to end up? Crashed into theirs, right? Mm -hmm. The goal when you're driving 
is to keep your eyes on the road. Right. That's how you maintain your safety and the safety of those around you. That sounds really selfish, but it's not. Because when you're giving yourself what you need, you are in turn showing up as the best you for everybody else around you. And that's what I would say. That would be my answer mm-hmm. to that question is focus on your road. If you're focused on your road, again, there's nothing selfish about it because when someone does come to you, because you fed yourself appropriately, you can give them freely and it won't feel like a burnout. It won't feel like an overwhelmment. And, or you can be at this place of self-awareness where you realize there's nothing I say to you that's going to change your situation. So I'm just going to sit here and listen as mm-hmm. opposed to casting my pearl before swine and getting upset with you when you don't take my advice that you asked for, right? <laughs> so there's something to be said about that. Like, keep your eyes on your road. You're driving your car. Keep your eyes on your road. And when you do that, your awareness game, that spirit, that feeling will give you all the answers you need on how to engage and interact with anything that comes into your lane. Mm-hmm. Period. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I totally agree with you because a lot of these things, I wish I had a coach earlier on in life, but I had to learn a lot of them myself through the mm-hmm. hard way. Yeah. By, through we all my- do. <laughs> we all do. And then your point, I get, so I get a lot of people swerving into my lane. So I was like, okay, let me get some training uh, <laughs> on how to best deal with this situation. <laughs> right. Like help people understand that you do have the answers. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's Tony Robbins. He's got the Netflix documentary, I'm Not Your Guru. Mm-hmm. I don't have your answers. You got your answers, but I can help you mm-hmm. identify what your answers are by asking you some questions that perhaps you haven't given thought to. Yeah, that's great advice. Thank you so much. So you're welcome. Dr. Alibi. If someone wanted to find you or consult with you or find you on social media, could you give us a few of your handles and website where they can find you? Absolutely. So my Instagram and my website are the same. So it's readysetpivot.com. And on Instagram, it's at readysetpivot. So please reach out to me on either one of those. And I believe on my, in, in my bio, there is a link where you can actually set up a 15 minute discovery call where we can just really talk, right? And just mm-hmm. get an understanding of where you're at and if coaching is right for you. Yeah, yeah. So you heard that, you know where to find a ready, set, pivot. Yes. <laughs> I like that, ready, set, pivot. You know, so yes. if you're ready to pivot and ready to change your life, ladies and gentlemen, you know where to find Dr. Alibi. So Dr. Alibi, thank you so much for coming on Beauty and the Bead to give us all your wisdom, insights, and, you know, just profound knowledge. Thank you so much for having me, Amanda. It has truly been a pleasure. (laughs) It's been a pleasure here too. 